Bibles, if you would, and of course, uh, if you want to turn and, and hold your place there in the book of Judges, but I, I'd like for you to do me a favor and indulge me for just a minute as your pastor, but, it, but would you go with me back to our text this morning, and we were in Luke chapter number 16, and I wanted to, um, <clears throat> I wanted to share a couple things with you tonight, just briefly, uh, and, and you, hopefully you'll understand this as, uh, as I share this with you, but <clears throat> I wanted to uh, apologize and also clarify a few things from this morning. And so I wanted you to look again uh, in your Bible there, chapter 16 of Luke, and the Bible says, and, and this was the verse that we ended on this morning, the Bible says there in verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And uh, as I read that verse there later on, uh, what I did inadvertently was I quoted probably what is more familiar, which is uh, the same particular portion of the Word of God in Matthew's account. Matthew chapter 6, and you can write down the reference if you want, but it's Matthew 6, 24, where that verse begins with, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So really the verses, those two verses in Luke 16, 13 and Matthew 6, 24 are almost identical. Uh, the difference being is Luke has no servant, can serve two masters, whereas Matthew recorded no man can serve two masters. And again, you have uh, the similarity there, but I wanted to clarify, and again, uh, I did not give the, the reference Matthew 6, 24 when I gave the verse this morning, and so I wanted you to be aware of that. And of course, apologize for that if there was some confusion there. Now also, while you're still there, look in the very next verse, verse number 14, of Luke chapter 16. And as I ended the message this morning, if you were watching, uh, as I mentioned in chapter 15, that Jesus was sharing parables with the Pharisees, and of course the scribes and others, the Bible mentions, calls them sinners. Uh, and then we find that in chapter 16, he now turns his teaching directly towards his disciples. And at the end of our text this morning, I shared with you during uh, time after the invitation, verse number 14 and 15, and I want you to look at those verses again, where the Bible says, And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Now, what I did, and again, I'm, I'm not pushing blame, but uh, part of it is old age, part of it may be allergies from being outside a lot in the last couple of days, but my eyes were messed up a little bit. It could be just old age, nonetheless. But I did not read the word justify, I read the word purify. And I apologize for that. The word purify means to make pure, to make clear, 
uh, to free from pollution, and it's a little bit of a different meaning than the word justify, and the word justify, of course, means to pardon, to clear from guilt, and if you look at the verse again, verse 15, it's not talking about, uh, certainly we know God can, can purify us, God can justify us, but the verse is actually talking here uh, in verse 15 about uh, they which justify themselves, yourselves before men, but God knoweth your heart. So again, when I look at that, uh, I read the word purify instead of the word justify, and the Bible does say justify. And the reason I bring this up is because the entire message and what I challenge you was to be faithful stewards of that which God has given to us. Uh, I was reminded by the Lord this afternoon where Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And here's the key, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, I got to thinking about that, how I did not necessarily rightly divide it there. And that phrase there, to rightly divide the word of truth, means to handle it properly. Uh, that means uh, in, in every aspect, each piece. Now, as we think about the Word of God, it's words, and we want to make sure that we are handling them and, and making sure it's the right word. And not only when we rightly divide the Word of God, not only are we handling it properly, but the Word actually gives the idea of cutting it straight. Uh, the Bible talks about line upon line, precept upon precept. And so again, I felt like uh, you know, that, that uh, I did not do justice there. I wanted to clarify, apologize. I, I, I know this, that before God, I am just trying my best to be a faithful steward of the Word of God. And I don't want to be accused of, as the Bible says in chapter 16 and verse number 1, of this steward who was wasting his master's goods. And those words just kind of got me because he was accused, the Bible says, and the word, I was telling my wife, that word accused in Luke 16, 1 is actually the word Diablo. Uh, and I know a lot of times the word Diablo is used uh, for the word devil, El Diablo, in the Spanish language. But understand that the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And so this servant to his rich master, he was accused of not handling things properly, of wasting his master's goods. Now, the word wasting means to scatter, to squander, to separate, and of course, the goods that he had, as we talked about this morning, being stewards, uh, they, they were not his possessions, they, they belonged to his master. And so when I think about what God has given to us, I know what God has given to me. He's given us his word. The Bible tells us he's preserved it to our generation. And so I want to make sure that what God has entrusted to me as a steward, as a minister of the word of God, that I'm doing justice to it. And again, the verse that came to my mind, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so I just wanted to take the time. Hopefully you'll forgive me for those few errors. And uh, I, I guess it's time to go have my eyes checked once more. That's never a fun thing. But I, I want to make sure that we understand the Word of God. And so I wanted to share that with you. Now, having said that, 
Let's be faithful with our passage and our book tonight. And so if you're there or maybe go over to the book of Judges, and I want you to follow along with me tonight as we go through our study on Route 66. Of course, uh, these books of the Bible, you see them there on the shelves, and we're just going book by book. Every book is so good, so important, and we're in this second main section of the Old Testament, which is really a history section. And so it began last week with the book of Joshua, and of course Joshua was the successor of Moses, and Joshua was the one that God used to bring them into the land. They crossed the Jordan, came into the land of Canaan, and the whole idea was that they would conquer the land that God had promised to them, and uh, some things began to happen because at the end of the book of Joshua, our study last Sunday, Joshua was 110 years old, and his life ended, and the Bible says that the children of Israel, who had made a promise that they said that they would live for God, that they would do according to God's will and God's word, they did that, the Bible says, until Joshua died and those that outlived Joshua. And so that brings us to the book of Judges. Now look in chapter 1, in verse 1, I always like to look at how a book begins, and I want you to notice it says here, now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, now they're asking God this question, who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? Now, again, keep in mind that uh, before Joshua died, that the children of Israel had got accustomed to Moses leading them. Now, they didn't always agree with everything that happened, and they murmured, they complained uh, while they were in the wilderness. But nonetheless, Moses was there leading them uh, for the Lord. And then after Moses died, Joshua stepped up. God had him waiting in the wings. And so Joshua then leads the people. They go in, they take Jericho, they take Ai, they take many other cities and, and territories there in the land of Canaan. Now Joshua is gone. And their question is, who's going to take his place? Who's going to be the one that takes the place of Joshua? Who's going to lead us? And that brings us to the book of Judges. Now, uh, the title of the book is the book of declension and apostasy. Now, let me define these two words for you real quick. The declension, uh, declension means to decline. It's not a good word. As a matter of fact, it carries a negative connotation. It's like the word, second word here, apostasy. The word apostasy means a falling away. So, listen, instead of the children of Israel keeping their promise and following the Lord and having only God, serving only God, they are declining away from, they are falling away from God. And that is really the idea, the theme behind, boy, this book is one that we need to take to heart because when I think of this book, I think of the nation of, of, of America, I think of our country, I, I think about how blessed we've been like Israel was and how God's given us this wonderful land, but how far we have gotten away from God. And this land, our nation, is apostating. 
Uh, Things are not getting better, they're getting worse and worse. And so as we get into the book tonight, we always begin with the name of the book. Of course, the, the book is named Judges, and it's named after the 13 judges. 12 of those 13 were actually individuals that were raised up of God But there was a 13th one that was not raised up of God, was actually one, and I would use the word here, a a usurper, all right? In other words, uh, that authority that this individual had or tried to have was not of God. Uh, The word usurper is somebody who seizes an office or a position of power by force or without legal right or who is perceived to have done so. And uh, there are other individuals you'll see in the Bible as you read your Bible, people that uh, tried to put themselves in a position of authority that was not given to them by God. And so there were 13 judges, but 12 of them were raised up of God. Now the word judge means rulers. That's what they were, the judges, the rulers, taken from the verb that means to put right and then to rule. Now we'll see that uh, because there, there was a pattern that took place. By the way, I still believe that pattern is still viable in society, in our lives today, and it's, it's a sin pattern that just kept going on and on and on, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit tonight. Now, the origin and description of the judge is given in your Bible, in the book of Judges, chapter 2, in verse 17. Look at these couple verses. Verse 17, and yet they would not hearken unto their judges. Remember, God was the one that raised them up, but they would not hearken unto them. And they, the children of Israel, went a-whoring after other gods. Little letter G. And the Bible says, and they bowed themselves unto them, unto those false gods. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in. In other words, they had a new way, kind of like in David's day with the, with the, the, uh, the ark. They tried to put it on a new cart. There's a lot of people today trying new things that are not of God. And we see this even in the book of Judges. So they, look at this, they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked not in. See, it was good for their fathers, but it wasn't good for them. And notice, they also, in obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. They did not obey the word of God, the commandments of God. Look at verse 18. When the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. So just like when Joshua was with them, they behaved. They did what they were supposed to do. It's like when the cats away, the mice play. So here they are. When, when they, God raised up a judge, they found themselves in trouble. The Bible says that as long as the judge was there, the days of the judge, that they, God delivered them out of the hands of their enemies. Now let's read on in verse 18. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. So here's what happened. They found themselves being oppressed, being vexed by the people of the land, which was never God's intention for them. God said that, he, that not, not a man would stand against them, that he would be with them, that he would go before them, that he would fight for them. And so here they are cowering 
to the people of the land of Canaan, and as a result of that, they begin to cry out to God, and by, by reason of their groanings, and so what does God do? In his mercy, he raises up judges, all right? Now look at verse 19, and it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned. They went right back to their old ways. They corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bowed down unto them they ceased not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. This is what the book of Judges, look, this theme, verse 17, 18, and 19 of chapter 2, it just continues over and over. That's why there's so many judges, because the judge would deliver them, and when the judge dies, they go right back to their old ways. And then what happens? They cry out to God, God raises up a judge, they, they did what the judge asked them to do, and then when the judge dies, they go right back to their old ways. It is a secular pattern of sin, and we see it over and over again. Now, the judges in your outline there, they're viewed as deliverers. That's the word the Bible uses, or another word could be saviors. Now, it would be, not be a capital S, that's the Lord, but this would be people that set them free, delivered them. Look at Judges 3.9. When the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even, here's one of them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. So he's just one of many, one of the 12 that God raised up to deliver them. And so we see here that they were viewed as deliverers or saviors. Now, the book of Judges, I gave you a little bit of context, but the connection of the book of Judges to the book of Joshua that preceded it, Judges is a continuation of the life of Israel after the death of Joshua and after the death of the elders that outlived Joshua. So again, I love the Bible, how you see the continuity, the continuation of it, and so this book is connected with the book of Joshua. The contents of the book, it gives an account of the lives, the actions, and the office of the judges. Uh, and, and again, I just, this past week, I read through the entire book, and, and you can see how they lived, and maybe a little bit of background. Now, there's a few of these judges where there's very, very little said about them in the book of Judges, but nonetheless, we see their actions, we see the office that they held, that God appointed them to. Notice God is still king at this particular time in Israel, and we see that the government was a theocracy. Now, the word theo is God, and so it's, it's a rule of God. And by the way, that's what God still wants for us today, that he would be the Lord of our lives. And so we see that the judges then were just merely his deputies. He placed them there to help his people, just like he had worked in the life of Moses and the life of Joshua. Now their office, the office of a judge, was not continual. It wasn't something that just continued on and on and on. They were there for a time. One of the neat things that I read as I was reading through my Bible this week was how God, the Spirit of God, would come upon these judges. And of course, we understand from the Old Testament to the New Testament that when, a, when we live in New Testament times, according to the Bible, that when we get saved, that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. 
Uh, he takes up residence, we say, in our lives. And so as we live, the Holy Spirit is the one that guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to know uh, the mind of Christ. And, and so we have, we're privileged to have the permanent indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God today. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not in a permanent indwelling presence. Uh, the Holy Spirit would come upon individuals, and we see that in the book of Judges, how that he would come on these individuals. Their office was not continual as they were extraordinary persons. They were only raised up on extraordinary occasions to be instruments in the hands of God. And that's what, look, uh, we're not judges. There's nothing extraordinary about us. We're ordinary people saved by the grace of God. But I still believe that God wants to use you and me and every Christian to be an instrument that he can use to help those around us, to help this world that we live in. And these judges, they were very special individuals because they were instruments that God was using in the lives. Now look at four ways that God was using them. The first way is he used them to deliver his people from their enemies, from the hands of their enemies, those that oppressed them. They were distressed because of their enemies. They were uh, carried away captive by their enemies. And what would these judges do? They would deliver them. Notice another way that he would use them is to help protect the people, uh, protecting them so that they could enjoy the country, the land that God had given to them, the rights that they had now as citizens of this new country, the liberties that came to them as a result of that. He also used them, thirdly, to lead out their armies, the judges. Remember how they said, who's going to go before us now? Who's going to lead us into battle? And God used these judges to lead out the armies against their enemies when there was the need. And then notice the fourth way, God used the judges to settle differences. Sometimes it would be judging lawsuits. Uh, sometimes it would be through administering justice between them. And so God would use them. And of course, that's probably the way that we use the word judge nowadays in our society. But certainly these, these judges were much more than we see a judge being used today in our current society. Now, the book contains an account of all judges except, and talking about all judges in the Bible, except for two of them. The last two judges that are mentioned are Eli and Samuel. Those are the two. Now, those two are mentioned in 1 Samuel, and that's what we'll get to not next Sunday night, but the Sunday night after that, after the book of Ruth. And so all the judges in the Bible are mentioned in this book except for those two individuals. Now, I wanted to show you a little bit of a map here, and hopefully you can see this. I know it's a little small. Maybe the guys can help doing the live stream in that tonight. But uh, this is more of a visual, and uh, maybe you can actually Google or find something like this. But this is the entire land uh, of Canaan. And you can see, of course, Moab and, and where they came from. They crossed the Jordan River. And, of course, the land was awarded to all the tribes. And, of course, the two and a half on this side of the Jordan and the nine and a half on the other side. And you see where these uh, judges, where their, their homes were, where God uh, dealt with them and brought them. And of course, you see Othniel there and Ibzah, and you see Samson. Of 
course, there's uh, about three or four chapters given to Samson. Of course, Deborah being one of the judges, Ehud, uh, uh, Abdon, Tola, Gideon. Notice on the other side of the Jordan there, you have Jephthah, Jair, Barak, Elon, and then Shamgar. So uh, again, this just kind of, I, I like things like this because it just kind of gives me a visual and understanding where these people come from. And then, you, of course, you can look as you're doing your Bible reading, and it's nice to have maps. Certainly, you probably have a Bible that has maybe maps in the back of it, and you can flip back and forth and just I like to visually see, my wife's better at this, you know, we go to a new place, we moved here, and I think it was maybe just a few days, my wife already had the lay of the land, she, we get in the car and she's like, no, it's not this way, it's this way, I, I'm, I'm challenged when it comes to direction, and uh, I, that's why I like things like this map, and so hopefully that'll help you a little bit to understand where the judges were from. Now, the book begins with compromise and, of course, that's what the children of Israel were doing. They were supposed to drive out the inhabitants. We see them compromising, and it ends in anarchy and, of course, confusion. Now, uh, maybe the, ch the chart here, I think you had this emailed to you along with the outline. But I want you to see this because now at the top it says 300 years. Many believe that uh, it, was, it was between 300 and 350 years of apostasy, of course, being oppressed and then being delivered from uh, those that were oppressing them. But you can see here, of course, not all the judges are listed on here, but you can see at the bottom some of the history, some of the things that happened, and of course then uh, kind of a different uh, ending to this book. But a lot of the failures, a lot of the causes because of what they did or did not do, and so that may help you. The, the, uh, the, the outline there, that chart that you see, is probably a little less detailed than some of the other books that we've looked at, but that may help you as you're doing your studying. Now, the next thing that it says there in your notes is that as you look at the book of Judges, it's a record of Israel's forsaking God, and of course, not only that, but forsaking uh, her because of it, it, God forsaking Israel because of her disobedience. Look in your Bible there. I want you to see two verses. The first one I want you to see in chapter number two is how the Bible records Israel forsaking God. Look at verse 13 of chapter 2. It just plainly says, They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth, two false gods. So clearly they forsook, Israel forsook her God. Now notice also in the same chapter, look at verse 23, the very last verse of the chapter. And this is where we see God now forsaking her, why? Because she is not obeying him, she's disobeying him. Verse 23, therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. So again, we have to understand that there are always consequences to our sin. One of the Bibles, that, one of the verses we use in the area of salvation is in the book of Romans chapter 6, for the wages of sin is death. And of course, death dealing with eternal separation from God. There's always consequences. Be, listen, uh, make sure that we understand that God is not mocked, that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so we see here the forsaking of Israel, of her God, and then God forsaking Israel because of her disobedience. 
Now, next it says here that Israel's apostasy occurred seven times. Now, uh, you, can, you can look this up, study this yourself. Uh, some of those judges that are mentioned that we saw on the map there, uh, the seven times would have been, the first one would have been uh, where Othniel was the judge and they were dealing with uh, the, the Edomites. The second one would be uh, Ehud and Shamgar, and that was when they dealt with the Moabites. And then we see a third one here, which is Deborah. And, of course, Deborah was dealing with the Canaanites. And then Gideon, of course, uh, all that God used Gideon, and Kenny sang that song this morning, uh, dealing with the Midianites. And then we see Jephthah dealt with the Ammonites. And then, of course, the last one was Samson, and Samson dealing with the Philistines. And we see, as it says here in your notes, that God used the surrounding nations to oppress his people. Listen, just like God used Pharaoh in, in the, uh, the, the uh, book of Exodus, how God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. God used, listen, there are other individuals God uses in the life of the children of Israel. There are people that God uses in our lives, and God used the surrounding nations to oppress his disobedient people, and he did that to bring them to their knees. And when the people called upon God for deliverance, what did God do? He sent them a deliverer. He sent them a judge who liberated them. And you can see on this chart here, again, uh, the seven main ones that are there. And of course, you also see some of the other individuals that there's not as much said about them. But from chapter 3 all the way through chapter 16, you see the pattern of disobedience and the bondage, of course, the misery that they were in, the compromises that they made, and again, all of this was their course of failure. Now, as we look at the character of the book, of course, again, this is in the section known as the historical section of the book of, uh, of, of the uh, Old Testament books. The subject of the uh, book of Judges is Israel's failure, again, to drive out the inhabitants of the land as God had commanded them. And then, of course, I love this. That, yes, they failed, but notice, like I, I've seen so many places in the Bible and in my own life, the grace of God. God, in His grace, raised up these judges to save them from their enemies. And those enemies that they did not drive out, notice here, that those enemies, the Bible says, they became thorns in their sides. See, when we don't do what God asks us to do, we are going to have problems that will arise because of our disobedience. And here's a great verse. And there, by the way, there's a couple verses very similar to Numbers 33, 55. But look at this. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. Listen, this wasn't something new. This was something that God clearly communicated to his people. And yet, what did they do? They disobeyed. They turned a deaf ear to what God said. And as a result of that, they felt the effects of these individuals that they let remain. They became pricks in their eyes and thorns in their sides. Listen, that, that, that sounds to me like it was hurtful. And it was, because they allowed. And by the way, in the New Testament, what does God say to us today? 
Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. God still is a holy God and he wants us to be a holy people and not to be in sin with those that we live around. And, and again, we see this in, in, even in the Old Testament and in the New Testament times. Now, the purpose of the book of Judges is to reveal to us today the cause of their failure. And they, because they failed, they could not enjoy the blessings that God had for them. And then also, again, to see God's grace, how God used His grace to restore them, to renew the fellowship that He so desired with His people. And I think it's a great book to help us to see that. A simple three-point outline all deals with what we're talking about, failure. It begins with commencing failure. And we see this in chapter 1, chapter 2, how that they begin with compromising with sin and then the condemnation that comes in because of sin and then they just continue in this pattern of sin. And so the commencing, the beginning of their failure in the book of Judges. And then it, it carries into their combating failure. And so when you get into chapter 2 and chapter, the beginning of chapter 3, there's the introduction there on how they're beginning to deal with failure, how they're combating that. And then those seven apostasies that I just shared with you, you see those from chapter 3 to chapter 16, how God raised up the judges because they were being oppressed by their enemies. And, of course, the introduction gives God's punishment. And, of course, God in his mercy has pity on them. We see that Israel then is that they persevere uh, and they begin to prove themselves in chapters 2 and 3. These apostasies is God dealing with the inhabitants uh, or their, their lack of dealing with the inhabitants of the land. And then, of course, they're forgetting God as we saw earlier in chapter number 2. And then notice as the book, the last section deals with continuing failure. So, they began in the book of Judges with their failure. Then we see them combating that failure. Then we see it just continuing all the way through the book of Judges. Look at this failure. Failure of the individual. Failure of the priesthood. Failure of two of the tribes there in chapters 18, 19, and 20. And then the failure of the 12 tribes is how the book comes to a conclusion. Now, again, there's, there's a lot of negative here, and it's not because of God. Remember, God is good all the time. Uh, anytime we see something like what's going on in the book of Judges, it's not because of God, it's because of man, it's because of sin. And so we see that throughout the entire book. Now the scope of the book actually deals with the history of more than 350 years. By the way, if I didn't mention earlier those two tribes, if you want to jot that down, you can go read but chapters 18, 19, and 20, the two tribes that actually failed was Dan and Benjamin. And so the, those were the two tribes that, of course, did some things there that they ought not to do. And you can read those chapters for yourself. I just finished those this afternoon. But uh, the 350 years of history begins soon after the death of Joshua, and it ends in the years just before the entrance of Samuel, uh, as he comes on the scene. Now, the one thing that you have to remember as you're thinking about the scope of the book, the years that are covered in the book of Judges, is that many of these events are not given in chronological order. So keep that in mind as you're reading it. We see that even the books, as they're put together, the 66 books of the Bible, 
that the Bible is not, the canon is not in chronological order. Some of the events in the book of Judges are not in chronological order either. Now, the writer, many believe, was probably Samuel. Uh, as the writer, God used him to write the words. It was written somewhere between 1381 B.C. and 1031 B.C. And so we see, again, coming closer to uh, when Christ came into this world. Now, where was it written? Probably in the early years of Samuel's ministry, somewhere in the area known as Palestine. Again, you don't see that word in the Bible, uh, but nonetheless, we understand today where Palestine is. The key chapter is chapter number two. And uh, uh, immediately, once you get into the introduction in chapter one, you step into chapter number two of this book, that you find that's where we see the beginning of Israel's apostasy. And, uh, and we'll see in just a minute how that happened. Now, the key verse or verses, uh, we see one of them is the last verse of the book. In these, uh, those days, there, were, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right, notice this, in his own eyes. Another verse that's very much like that is Judges 17.6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You think about the world we live in today. A lot of people don't like rules, and we don't like the laws, and we don't like uh, the, the police officer or any authority. But listen, what's the... What's the other side of that is anarchy. Everybody doing that which is right. Understand that when you look in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, God established government. And the Bible clearly tells us in the book of Romans that God is the one that gives authority. God's the one that gives power. We should pray for those in authority. And understand, I know there's people that abuse their power. They abuse their authority. But I'm glad that we have uh, the laws of the land. And the Bible says here, if you fast forward, remember how the children of Israel, that they, they wanted to be like all the other nations that had kings. And so what did God do? God said that he only ever wanted to be their king. But as a result of their request, their, their complaint, God gave them a king. And that king, of course, we'll take a look at him in a couple Sundays, how uh, he honestly was not good for the nation, good for the people. And so we see the beginning of apostasy. Every man, in other words, every person doing that which was right in his own eyes. Boy, that's the world we still live in today. Everybody thinks they're right. Everybody thinks that they can do whatever they want. And we see this all the way back in the book of Judges. Now, the key word course, it goes to the word judge, and so the key word is delivered. We find this word 28 times. And then the key phrase, it might seem odd, the two words, neither did. Now, if you have your Bible still open there in Judges chapter 1, I want you to look with me at a couple verses, because I want you to see this key phrase. Remember what God told them? He said, I want you to drive out all the inhabitants of the land. Okay, so let's look here in chapter 1. Look at verse number 27. What's the first two words? Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and her towns. Look at verse number 29. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer. Look at verse 30. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. 
Look what the Bible says in verse number 31. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko. Look at verse number 33. The Bible says, neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beshemesh. In other words, God, they were not doing, they were not obeying God, they were not doing what God asked of them. And so the key phrase many times is, neither did. That's how the book begins in chapter number one. Now, that, what that does is that shows us that they had incomplete victory, and that victory was because Israel's leaders, they neither did drive out the, those from Canaan, drive out the enemies that God asked them to. And so as a result of the tribes not doing, the people not doing what God told them to do, they found themselves being vexed. They found these people being uh, pricks and thorns in their sides. And so again, we see this uh, because of disobedience, because of sin. The key thought to the book of Judges is conflicts of a nation, one after another after another. Uh, the spiritual thought, uh, I put it this way, watch the borders. Now, what I mean by that is have discipline. And if, if we live disciplined lives, if the, if the nation of Israel was disciplined enough to do what God asked, they wouldn't have found themselves in the situation that they were in. Now, the one thing that I'm going to give you tonight is really this pattern, this cycle, and I want you to see this because it's a cycle of Israel's history at this time. And I want you, as you look at this, of course, it's a circle, it's a cycle, it's something that just continues, but as you look at it, I want you to look at the very top, and it's going to begin at the top and go to the right and continue clockwise all the way around. When it gets to the top, it's going to start all over again, just like a clock would. Uh, you have a.m. and p.m., so it begins at 12 o'clock midnight, goes all the way to 12 noon, then it goes back around to 12 midnight, and it just continues day after day after day. Well, that's the way this cycle was. So look at this. The nation serving God, they said that they would serve God. Then what's the next thing? They did evil. They did what they should not do. Then they forsook God. The Bible shows us that. But how did they do that? They followed their own ways. They did what was pleasant in their own sight, right in their own eyes. And as a result of their sin, they were sold into slavery. They, they understood oppression. They became a people that were depressed because of war. And then they were in bondage. They found themselves in slavery. Notice the word at the bottom, servitude serving these people instead of conquering these people. And as a result of their servitude, then notice what they do. Again and again, they cry out to God. God, help us. God, save us. You know, now again, God doesn't have to, but because God is so good, God always in his mercy did that. They turned to God. Now listen, if we're ever going to get right with God, notice that word, they repented. There must be true repentance, and so they repented, and then the, God does what? He raised up a judge, and then the judge delivered them, and once the judge delivered them, as long as the judge was alive, we read this earlier, the nation served God. But remember what happened, the judge died, because their office wasn't continual. So then what do they do? They, go, they do that which is evil, they forsake God. And you get it. I could go around and around in this circle 
again and again tonight. I hope you understand that this is something and maybe keep that and help you. Boy, listen, that ought to be something for our own lives. Where am I at in that cycle? Am I at the top, staying at the top, or am I somewhere around there? Listen, what you need to do is, if there is something, get back to God, turn back to God, repent of your sin, and allow God to work in your heart and deliver you from your sin, and then get right back to serving God. And this is what we see, this pattern, and I think that's what's unique about. Now, listen, it's not just only the book of Judges that you see this, but it is something we see that was a pattern over and over again. That's why you see the 12 judges, because again and again, God had to deliver them. Now, in the book, our theme this year is magnify, and we certainly, in every one of these books, we want to see how we can magnify the Lord. Notice the first way is that Christ is magnified as our deliverer. And of course, we do not see, per se, the Lord bodily uh, in, these, uh, in this book, but we do see that in this role that he is identified as our deliverer. Judges 3 and verse number 9, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Notice, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them. So again, we find that the Lord is the one that has set us free. That's why we call him our Savior. He is our deliverer. And I love that thought there that we see him in the book of Judges as our deliverer. The second way we see him and being magnified is as the angel of the Lord. Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And we see him identified here, magnified as the angel of the Lord. And we see the Lord being magnified even in the book of Judges. Now, as we come to a conclusion, I want you to look, whether it's there in your notes or in your Bible, if you have it there in chapter number 3, I want you to look at a few verses here as we come to a close at the book of Judges. Now, in verse number 5, notice what the Bible says, and you follow along with me there. The children of Israel, notice the words here, dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and they gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan, Rishathim, king of Mesopotamia. So we see here this pattern mentioned that we just looked at there in chapter 3, verses 5 through verse number 8. In other words, we're looking at how Israel found themselves in trouble, the steps that they took. Remember, this is the book of declension and apostasy. So notice the six ways that we see this, and this kind of goes back to our chart, but it says, First of all, number one, they failed to drive out the idolaters. They failed to drive out those that served other gods than the true and living God. Notice, secondly, that because they failed out to drive out the idolaters, they dwelt among them. And then the Bible said there in chapter 3, they intermarried with them. The Bible says that they took their daughters to be their wives and they gave their daughters to their sons. Uh, listen, they just, they just became one big family 
dwelling among them, intermarried with them. And notice number four, they served their gods. I mean, listen, it, they, they, it wasn't God anymore. It was their gods, the gods of the world. And so the Bible says then what did they do? They forgot their own God. Why? Because they had new gods. And then notice number six, the Bible tells us that their God sold them to their enemies. And that's, that's what will happen as a result of that. Those were the steps that Israel took to go into apostasy. By the way, you can kind of look at America today and kind of see where America is in those same steps. The primary message of the book of Judges is that God will not allow sin to go unpunished. Whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. God will not wink at sin. God's not going to allow us just to sin successfully. God's not going to allow us to sin and not be punished for it. There's always a consequence to our sin. Now, as we look in, uh, back to the book of Exodus, and of course, the second book of the Old Testament, in that particular book, we found that Israel was established as God's people. In the book of Exodus, God was their king. When we come to uh, that book, we find that they had forsaken the covenant that was established at Mount Sinai. So here in the book of Judges, God disciplines them for following other gods. He disciplines them for disobeying his sacrificial laws. He disciplines them for engaging in blatant immorality. He, he, uh, uh, he, he basically deals with them. He disciplines them for descending into anarchy at various times. And yet because they were his people, and I love this about God, even though they had forsook him, even though they were being disobedient and wicked people, because they were his people, he listens to their cries, and in his mercy and grace, he raised up leaders to deliver them. Unfortunately, those that he did raise, uh, their influence, their godly influence, that uh, was not enough. I mean, because again, the Bible says when the judge died, uh, the people went right back into a life of sin. They changed their direction. And so as I read this book this past week, and I've studied it many times, here's one thing that I was reminded of is that uh, memory is a gift. When we think of things, we remember things. That's why I believe this book is in the Bible. Remembering the past teaches us countless lessons on how we can live our lives today. I understand in my life that God will not allow me to sin and, and not be punished for my sin. And so here's a couple thoughts. Write these down. What did Israel do? The Israelites forgot. They did not remember the miraculous events that brought them to their land. And they did not remember the covenant that united them to their God. They forgot that. Uh, and it's so easy. Listen, one of the dangers of being a Christian for many years is we get comfortable and we forget. We have amnesia, Christian amnesia, and we, we tend to forget things. Listen, may we never forget how God has worked in our lives, how God has saved us, God has delivered us, God has brought us unto himself, but Israel forgot that. Notice the next thing. God, God did not forget his covenant. See, God is always faithful, even when we are not to him he is always faithful to us. And because of God's great love for his people, yes, he disciplined them, 
but he did that so that they might return to him. And I know as a child growing up, uh, being a, a son of my father, there were many times when my father disciplined me. But listen, I look back. Now, I didn't understand it when I was going through it, but I understand uh, and I soon understood the older I got that my dad did that because he loved me. And because he disciplined me, it brought me back to him. It helped me to understand, son, you're not going to be allowed to do this or do that. And when we look at this book and we see their failure and the continuing in sin, it helps us to understand that God is still faithful and that God will hear us when we repent of our sins and I love this, and God will discipline us, why? So that he can lovingly bring us back to himself. And I hope this book is one that helps you in your life. I hope that you're not somewhere around that chart where you shouldn't be in your life, that you're right there at the top serving the Lord. Now, next, next Sunday night, we're going to study the book of Ruth. It's a small book, four chapters. Now, listen, everybody ought to be able to read that. I'm going to try to read it three or four times this week, and it shouldn't take you long to get through it, but boy, there are some great historical things in the book of Ruth. Looking forward to that study. Don't forget Wednesday night, we're going to have our connection groups. We're right back here live in person, and we want you to be a part of it, so please, please be a part of it. Let's ask the Lord to bless our week with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you again for this evening. Thank you for the, every book of the Bible, and Lord, as I look at this one book, and I see how they as a people struggled, and God, how I in my life struggle. Lord, I'm so glad for your grace, and I'm glad that when I cry out to you that, Lord, you hear me. But Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of our sin, Lord, that you would help us to live for you, that we would be faithful to you who have been so faithful to us. Thank you again for the book of Judges. Thank you for the 12 that you brought into the life of your people. And I, I think about how special each one of them is. Lord, none of them, none of them compare at all to your son, Jesus, who came and saved us, not for a time, but he's our continual Savior. That once we have been saved by his grace, that, Lord, He is our, our eternal Savior, that we will never lose the salvation. Why? Because He is the one that has provided it. He is the one that has given us a home in heaven someday, and we're thankful for that. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us this week and every day to live a life that's pleasing to you, and when we get off the path, Lord, lovingly bring us back to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.